The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Discretion is advised. Episode 97 of Rareform Radio is coming inside of your face as we speak. Uh, welcome, Darren. Good to see you, buddy. What's up, man? How are you? How are you doing? Um, we are in a new set today. Um, we're going to try to change the set about once a month, it feels like. And now we're in uh, like a cuckoo's nest type deal. What do you say? Cuckoo's, cuckoo's nest? Yeah, ish. What is that, like a book or something? Yeah, it's a really famous book. Just a book that, written by Jack Nicholson. Um, <laughs> I'm excited today. We have a, we have a guest that I've known for uh, over almost 20 years or maybe 20 years now. And one of my favorite people maybe in the world. Um, he's been in many bands. He's been in a band called Fitness. He's been in a band called The Brotherhood of Lost Dogs, which is fantastic. Uh, he is his twin brother is an artist named Chevy Mustang. He's in a band called Eve Six, but most of you know him from the band Sugi Tap. Please say hello to Max Collins. Darren Clapp. There you go. That's right. I don't take issue with any of that. Yeah. yeah. Should we spend yeah. the whole time talking about Sugi Tap? Yeah, absolutely. I think your listeners would probably really enjoy that, and so, I know I would. <laughs> I really did like Sugi Tap, so it was like, after Eve Six had like a, where did Sugi Tap come from? I didn't plan on talking about this right away, but it's making me, now I want to get right into it. Um, it came from the beginning for me of like this uh, creative purgatory that lasted for maybe like almost a decade. <laughs> it's a very long time. That's a quarter of your life. Yeah, it was basically like um, Eve Six broke up um, in like 2003 or 2004. And uh, that was primarily my call. I was just, uh, well, a whole bunch of reasons converged to make it um, not fun anymore. And uh, like, uh, I... I continued, um, namely me needing, needing to get sober, but I didn't for a couple years still after the band, um, stopped. But then in 06 I did. And yeah, it just took me a really long time to kind of, uh, rediscover myself and my voice literally. And as like a writer, um, so I found myself being sort of, uh, moved around at the whims of, of other folks a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it was a wholly unsatisfying time in my life creatively. Um, but it was also really important because that stuff needed to be, I think, at least that's the, you know, I can't run a, uh, it's the way it happened. So I'm choosing to look at it like it was good as opposed to running some counterfactual where I, uh, you know, was, was, uh, you know, uh, 
creatively prolific from, from the get go. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I, I look at those years. They were important for me from like a recovery standpoint, terrible for me creatively. Uh, but do you lump uh, all, do you lump brotherhood of lost dogs in with that terrible creative period? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think like there were some good, good little, there were some good songs with that. I did have a good, good time with that. And with those guys, um, rest in peace, Joe base. Yeah. Yep. But it was on such a tiny scale. We never released anything. Um, you know, but yeah, yeah, no, I don't look at that the same way. That was, um, I, I do love fitness a lot. It's so different than anything you've done, but brotherhood of lost dogs for me was probably my favorite thing that you've done outside of Eve six so far. Yeah. Like I know that cause you, um, you've always been a massive sort of singer songwriter, um, like Tom Petty storytelling fan. And by the way, I want to tell you that I think you are a tragically underrated songwriter. You really are a brilliant Thanks. songwriter. Um, but Brotherhood of Lost Dogs was seemed to be you tapping into a whole other side of you, mm -hmm. like more that not cowboy because it was like acoustic music, but folky, cool shit. And I loved it. And I was bummed when it kind of stopped happening. Thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure I'll do at some point, uh, like another record like that. Like I feel like I probably have a few of those um, in me and I've kind of been thinking about it a little bit. I finally got my guitar, my acoustic guitar that's been sitting since the last tour I did. The same old Gibson? Or yeah, the yeah. same old Gibson yeah. um, at art from Everclear's studio. <laughs> was there for like a year and a half. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and Quarantining. Um, yeah, it was yep. quarantining. Cause I haven't really been writing that way. Like with the new Eve six stuff, it's been, I, I go in and John has made a few different rough, uh, tracks for me to listen to. And I write on top of those and I really like doing that, but I also kind of miss sitting down with, with an acoustic guitar. So yeah, I'm sure I'll do more stuff like that at some point. I'm knowing you as, as well as I think I do. I'm surprised to hear that you haven't just been plucking away by yourself the last year or two. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. <clears throat> but um yeah, I mean like the the fitness project that I was doing with my friend Kenny, that was a similar thing where I he'd have tracks I'd I'd write on top of them. And then quarantine was me doing this uh the Chevy Mustang thing, which is like a a joke that no one gets that that, that I we have a lot of fun doing. Um, but that's, that's kind of taken up, <laughs> that's taken up the majority of, uh, or took up, uh, the majority of like quarantine time was just this, you know, inane kind of character that we made up. Who's like, a kind of like fancies himself. He's like, he's well-intentioned, but he's, uh, he's got like acute narcissism and he like, that's uh, brilliant. yeah, I love it. Yeah. He's a perfect character for like house music and all, all of the derivations therein. And that's kind of where Chevy Mustang lives. And a wonderful <clears throat> social media character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it really works for like, I got two or three minutes. What's Chevy up to? Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Was there a person that sparked that? Like, is that inspired by anybody? Um, it, I, I just had for like years, years, like 15 of them or something. I've, I always thought it would be funny to do a house song 
called Because I Want To, and where it's a character like Chevy Mustang. <clears throat> um, and he's just like listing all the things he wants to do because he wants to. I don't know. That's just always been like a, a bit in my head. And then I was doing a tour with fitness and a band called Congos. And uh, it was like a horrible tour. It was, um, we did a tour with them that was great. And then we did another one with them that was like B markets and fill in stuff. And like no one came. <laughs> and uh, humbling. Yeah, but it ended up being maybe the funnest tour I've ever done because it was like there was this uh, spirit of just, uh, I don't know, it was just all, it was just all jokes all the time um, on and off stage, lobbing them at each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. It was, it was great. And that's, and probably weirdly no pressure either. Yeah, totally. Yeah, none. And so it was on that tour that I told Danny Congos about Chevy Mustang and he, those guys are all legitimate dance music fans. Like <clears throat> they love it and they know all about all these crazy producers and like, who Russia. doesn't dude? <laughs> who, who doesn't? <clears throat> uh, he immediately like started making, making this track and I was like, Oh, that's, this is perfect. And then like I recorded the vocal on it. Chevy has like this sort of, uh, ambiguous European accent that's always kind of changing because I don't know how to do accents, you know? And uh, so I, I I literally did the vocal like at three in the morning with like a, a wad of chew in my mouth. Fantastic. <laughs> like, um, it's and, the details, everybody. Listen, yeah. listen up, songwriters. This is how you do it. Yeah, that's right. And then, and from there, it was just like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Like we need to spend all our time doing this. And that, that that's kind of what happened during quarantine and along the way, we just had these really strange things happen, i.e. getting a text one night and someone, a friend of mine who lives in Chicago was like, you're on Jimmy Fallon right now. And I was watching when that happened. Were you? Yeah. I it was, was weird sure as fuck. It was, I was sure it was a mistake. Like, you know, if you're in bands and shit, you'll have people tell you some crazy shit sometimes. Like... I swear, I just heard your song in an American American Express commercial. Like, or they see something now. old that they think uh -huh. is new, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, sure enough, he had done like a ten minute bit on the Chevy Mustang song and video, uh, where like uh, he thinks Chevy's a real artist. I think I just it's tough to know. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's him and the roots <laughs> um, critiquing Chevy Mustang because I want to. So that was wild. Questlove was not a big fan. No, right? no one was a big fan. Like, yeah. Over, no, over the head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we did a couple. We, we have a, col a collaboration on another song with Kevin Federline. I want to know how that happened. Okay. Because it's such a a crazy name to bring back. Yeah. to our lives. Kevin Federline is uh, Britney Spears' ex-husband. And is he the father of one of her kids? Two of her kids? I think so. But Bo he, he was like a, you know. Both, okay. An, he was a punchline for jokes for like three or four years, it seemed like. Mm. And that's another thing I love about you is you would bring someone like that into your world. How did that happen? Um. Well, uh, I know someone who knows him. And, um, he is from Fresno 
K-Fed is. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> and Chevy Mustang's origin story is that he was born and raised in Fresno, uh, well, a small town just outside of Fresno. Hence and the accent. Yeah. yeah. So this friend sent him, I did, a, I did an interview with Forbes as Chevy Mustang in character. And uh, it, it was the most exhausting, like performative thing I've ever done in my life. I was on the phone with this guy for like 45 minutes as Chevy Mustang. When it was over, I felt like I'd had like a psychic like split or did something. Did you put that out or did you post a link to that somewhere? Yeah. That, I yeah. feel like I've heard that before. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, they sent that to to K Fed, and he was like, "Dude, this is real. This is great." And uh, so I I asked this mutual friend to ask him if he'd like to feature on a song, and he said, "Yeah." And he nailed it. Yeah, I mean, it was great. Yeah, it I really mean, is fun. Yeah, it's very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the name of that song? That song is called "Man in the Middle." Yeah, yeah. and it's about. Um, is it about like music managers? Is it about lawyers? Is it about yeah, all of the all of the above. People wanting to take their cut and yeah, uh, fucking yeah. over people over and over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, you did something with Evan Rachel Wood as well. Was that with Chevy or was that something else? That was with Chevy as well. And how did that come about? Because she's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, she asked me if I would do um, uh, an Eve Six song with her at her Valentine's Day thing or anti-Valentine's Day show that I think she does every year. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, and did that, and that was cool. She's very talented. Well, I mean, great obviously singer. as an actor, but uh, yeah, like crazy voice. Really, really great voice. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, that kind of um, opened that door. And then when we had some Chevy tracks, I was like, hey, would you want to feature on this? And she said, absolutely. I really didn't think that that was going to be a yes. But How come? Because it's absurd. There's no, there's no real incentive for her. You know, I mean, it's testament to the fact that she's like a cool person. I was going to say, it's kind of refreshing that someone like that, who I could see, you know, someday she's probably going to win an Oscar, right? Mm -hmm. You would think. And for her to come sing on this ridiculous track is uh, good for her. Yeah. Makes you feel good about society a little bit. Yeah. It's heartening. (laughs) Yeah. Any more Chevy stuff coming up? Um, we have a song that, what is it called? I only remember the opening lyric, which is in the Wall Street Journal. I was reading about wet ass pussy. Hell yeah. I can't wait. (laughs) Um, I forget what it's called, but, um, we had, uh, comedian Jake Flores, um, who, in my opinion, opinion is the only funny comedian. The only one. Yeah, there's one. In my opinion, I mean, it's just my opinion. But I, there's, you've obviously never heard Dana Carvey. I, uh, I sort of like no, I know who that guy is. He's the but worst. Like, um. Anyway, Jake Flores raps on it about the seven deadly sins, <clears throat> and uh, there's a video for it. So yeah, that'll probably be next. But that's um. The, the Congos guys that I do that with just moved to Austin along with everybody else. Um, and I'm, <laughs> yeah. We and, have thoughts on Austin. Yeah. Th- dude, all of those, like, fucking, not, like, no. Like, it's just another gray, neoliberal, like, 
No. Like you're chasing uh, a thing, and by the time you get there, it's going to be over with. Yeah, it's like, like Nashville. It's right. like, you know, right. uh, not into it. Now it's unlivable. It's expensive. And by the way, you're in Texas. Texas is yeah. cool. Austin is cool. But I, I would not want to live in Texas. I'd rather live in Texas, Texas than Austin. <laughs> like shit kicking cowboy boot, Texas. I don't know if I mean that, but I'm trying to drive home a point here. Right, right. Yeah, yeah you, I don't yeah. think you do too well in shit kicking Texas. Probably not. But uh, look at this tall, red-headed fag over here. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but yeah, and, but this also kind of coincided with Eve 6, um, getting active again. And so that's kind of what I'm focused on now is we have a new record coming out in June, our first in like over 10 years. And, uh, and then a full length that that one's an EP and then a full length. that's just ready to go after that. I heard it uh, a bunch of months ago, a sweet P your guitar player, John sent to me and it was so great. It was such like a, a, a throwback to the early days of just like three guys playing music. Yeah. Uh, like uh, it's, it's more punky or yeah. more punk than anything you've done so far. Yeah. But it feels more sincere yeah. to what you've wanted it to be for a long time. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's so just, it has like new life to it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. It's, it's cool. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's fun. And we're doing, uh, yeah, like letting our influences show for the first time because we kind of can. Um, and yeah. It seems like, uh, I, I know that you've struggled before um, for a long time with your identity being wrapped up in Eve 6 and you've struggled with, you know, loving the band or appreciating it at times. Where are you at with that right now? It seems like you're in a better place with it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I have it, I think, neatly kind of compartmentalized. There, It exists in two ways for me. And, uh, like, I, you know, when I, when I look at the first three records that um, we did when we were, you know, John and I were teenagers and... Uh, well, between the ages of like 19 and 23, I guess, were those mm -hmm. first three. Like, um, I I can see what's good about them. Um, <laughs> I can see why people, you know, reacted. <clears throat> um, of course, it's like, you know, it's like complicated. I have mingled feelings of pride an embarrassment, but the embarrassment isn't oppressive or anything. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's kind of pleasant, and I've actually like literally put it to work for me in a way. How so? Um, just with the way I've in the last few months been doing this like psychedelic online thing, where I'm like, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, that uh, Twitter. We're gonna get into that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which has been good for me. I think it's actually been like, uh, sounds corny, but, um, kind of healing because I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's making me look more objectively, I think at things. And, uh, yeah. Uh, if people aren't, aren't sure what we're talking about, 
maybe what seven eight months ago um it was like december okay max kind of you kind of took over the eve six twitter <laughs> handle yeah and immediately the, the the new voice of it was like it was it's so you yeah it's a, it's one of the first times actually that uh like i've known you do you remember when we met by the way do you know where we met let me see if I can remember. Uh, it was a weird place. It wasn't at a Bad Apples show? Mm-mm. We met in 2000 at the WBCN River Rave in Massachusetts. Oh, shit. Really? Because Monty, my old singer from Bad Apples, yeah. was on tour with... Czar. Uh, Czar or American Hi-Fi. One of those two. Oh, probably Hi-Fi. And he became friends with you guys. Yeah. And then I went to visit him and met you guys that day. Crazy. And <clears throat> I have been a Eve six fan <clears throat> from day one, like that first record from the moment I heard inside out, like I don't, I don't really care about lyrics for the most part. I yeah. never really have for some reason. Yeah. But the melody and the hook, uh, which you guys have had from day one got me immediately. So I've been an Eve six fan from day one. That's awesome. So like going to, and back then I didn't, I've only been in LA for a year. So I didn't really know anyone who was in bands. I didn't know famous people yet. And you were one of the first people groups that I met where I was like, holy shit, I'm meeting Eve six today. That's so <laughs> How funny. cool. Um, but since then I've, I've lived with you for times yeah. when I was like homeless and yeah. like my band bad apples was kind of trying to get shit going. And yeah, you housed all of us at some point. Yeah. Um, but back to the Twitter thing. I never housed Fainer. That's true. It's probably good. It'd be you got to draw the line shit everywhere. In the <laughs> sand somewhere. Fainer was our drummer in the Bad Apples, <laughs> and he also was a writer for uh, Penthouse and, and a porn actor, dude. Yeah, you've seen the pictures, right? Yeah. Okay. Of him getting <laughs> pile driven, <laughs> ass eaten by a, yeah. a, a really nice lady. Yeah. Anyway, hope your kids are listening. Um, yeah. But knowing you as well as I think I do. The Twitter thing was the first, like this new Twitter Eve Six thing was the first time that I've really heard you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, totally. on social media. Yeah. Um, not to say that whatever you usually do is like bad, but it just this feels so genuine to yeah. you, and, and it's completely your humor. Yes. Like, well, your humor and a lot of truth. Yeah. There. Right. So, what was the impetus for the Twitter thing? Like, well, was there was there a discussion of like that you're gonna who was running Twitter before? Like, um, uh, kind of no one really, <clears throat> we would, uh, you know, if there was something to, to push out to promote a show or merch or all of that usual stuff that bands do. Hawking then, your wares. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, like we, I knew that we, we're going to have this, uh, the first single from our EP coming out in, when did that come out? Like February or something. And I, w I was like, you know, people accused, have accused me or the Twitter thing, um, of being like this cynical, uh, marketing thing or whatever. And in a way it was because I, I was, I was like, but on a w way smaller scale than people realize. I, w I was like... That wasn't the intention. Well, I was like, the intention, the intention was, okay, I think I will start to post from the Eve 6 account to let our two to 
2,100 fans, <laughs> like, uh, know that we're going to be active again. And w- right, like, moments after that, was this, is this right? No, I feel like shortly thereafter, I woke up um, one morning and it occurred to me that um, I literally was a virgin when I wrote um, what I call the Heart in a Blender song. Were you really? Yeah, because um, I wrote it, at, at least sections of it, because the song in its first iteration had a different verse and that song existed when I was um when I was a junior in high school and I didn't lose my virginity till I was a senior in high school so the chorus <laughs> the chorus I wrote and I was a version so I was like okay this is this is a good post I was like this is this is a potent I, yeah. fucking uh post I think and you know maybe people like it to the tune of like a hundred likes or something like that and then, of course, it ended up going viral, and um, and it just occurred to me at that point that I I kind of had nothing to lose that uh, you know, and I just decided to just keep going um, with the criteria being like, is it true? Um, is it does it have some entertainment value? And if it checks those boxes then fire it off and so i was just like okay i'm just gonna be an insane person and to do like so i started doing like 60 tweets a day and i kept that up for a while yeah because literally like it became like the must follow twitter account of of the year which is wild yeah it's really funny the 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 follower thing just like started skyrocketing then it was talked about in magazines and other like big publications would retweet it. And it became the thing where someone would text me or text everyone was texting everyone being like, you got to start following the E6 account. I was like, bro, I already do. Yeah. I got, I'm, 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 I'm on it. But like, like you just said, you would tweet so much where someone said, you, did you see the Max's tweet or you see the E6 tweet about this thing? You'd go there and you would have posted 20 times since <laughs> yeah. then. Like it was so <laughs> prolifically funny and yeah. uh, cutting at times. Yeah. It's been great. Thanks, man. Yeah. And it became something where not even just Eve Six fans were following. Like, if you just liked entertainment, you would have to follow the Eve Six Oh, yeah, no. I would say definitely the vast majority of our followers now are, I mean, they they might know who Eve Six is, but they're not, you know, I mean, these are people that come for something else, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) (sighs) who has been the biggest retweet you've gotten from Eve six from that account or biggest fan you've made most popular, famous fan you've made from that account. Okay. Well, we got some wild ones. Um, we had Megan McCain, um, quote tweet. One of them, I forget which one it, it was. I ignored that. (laughs) We had Marianne Williamson come in and we actually got into, got into a little debate with Marianne Williamson. No shit. Yeah. Um, Brianna. did you, did you hit her? Did you tag her in something that got her attention? Yeah. Or, okay. I think, yeah. In those first few weeks I was doing that classic, you know, 2000, whatever shit post thing where I was just 
adding whomever and asking them if they like the Heart and Blender song. And we got out of that some, like, uh, what's It was so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how some of them happened. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. God, some, definitely some wild, you know, I've made a lot of friends. I've made a lot of just kind of interesting sort of unlikely friendships through it. Um, and you did something that a lot of people don't is that you would actually interact with people. Mm-hmm. Like people would respond to it. And obviously there was a lot of stupid responses. Yeah. But some of the stupid ones got your attention more than some of the smart, nice responses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the stupid ones, you know, um, some of the stupid ones you don't want to let go to waste cause they can, they can really be good. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I also, <laughs> to be honest, like it, it was so refreshing all of a sudden having people who were smart and funny interacting with the fucking Eve six account that, um, you know, I like appreciated that. So like, um, yeah, you know, we'd, I'd, you know, riff with people. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It was beautiful to watch. So that's at Eve six on Twitter, obviously. Um, are you, have you slowed down lately? I guess I've slowed down a little bit from like the 60 a day. Yeah. But I mean, I'm still doing quite a bit. I'd say I'm probably doing like 20 a day. Still good. That's a good output. Yeah. Do you ever delete any? Do you ever push it out and be like, I can't do that? Oh, yeah. I delete all the time. But I I, I don't (laughs) usually delete because I feel like I'm being polemic. I I usually delete just because I don't think something is good. I don't know what polemic means. Controversial. Okay. Okay. You're a good wordsmith. You got your words, uh, is, right? You always have, though. I mean, that's also part of your uh, the, your lyric uh, your lyrical approach to songwriting. You put words together like no one else that I've listened to before, like in a really intelligent way. And uh, who, who were your like lyrical inspirations? Because it's very unique. Your writing is very very unique. Thanks. You know, um, I think. Uh lyrically probably like in my formative years of when I first started doing it, which I guess, you know, the records didn't come that long after, um, jawbreaker was huge. Definitely, uh, the Smiths. Uh, yeah. So I guess sort of, um, first and second wave there emo a little bit, but Mm -hmm. then also, um, like some of the, like, punk rock stuff that kind of gets put in this bin of being sophomoric and stupid, um, I think is actually like high art. You mean like, like lag wagon type stuff or they're pretty stupid face to face or uh, what kind of screeching weasel, no effects. Um, so yeah, but like Mm -hmm. bands that touch both of those scenes, I guess right there. But yeah, there were like a few, uh, the Mr. T experience, like, um, that, that, that are like, like to my mind, great songwriters, like, um, cause they're doing this honesty thing where, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, they're like not hiding, you know what I mean? I don't know. But, uh, so yeah, I think that's where some of those influences, kind of happen but I think for me more than 
Yeah, I've always enjoyed playing with the way words sound. <clears throat> That's more important to me than what I'm saying or what they mean. You know, like just playing with the phonetics of things. The pacing. It's it, the ri- yeah, yeah, your the, thing is like a, yeah. it's almost like a, a rap approach in a way of like the, the rhythm in a word it was is sort of more important sometimes than the actual word that you're saying. Definitely. At times. Yeah. It was definitely in the beginning, especially because I had no melodic comprehension. So I, I was like, I really was. That surprises me. Yeah. I mean, I, I shouldn't say none, but, but like, I, I definitely wrote more for, I, I had to make, I had to make like the scan of the words do, do a lot of heavy lifting because I, I didn't really, I was, I had sort of just started pretending I was a singer. And also, I mean, your first record came out when you were 18. How much could you possibly know <laughs> yeah. about life or experiences? Like there's nothing. Totally. So you're like, you're no, no shit. Right. You're yeah. like, what would adults say? Or like, you know, totally. that kind of shit. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Jawbreaker is a good one because you're, it's like a, Jawbreaker has a very poetic approach to his lyrics. Yeah. Blake, is that his, that his name? Right. Yeah. Um, and you have a bit of that too, where if the words are just written down, you could see it as like actual poetry. You wouldn't think these are lyrics. Yeah. Some, I mean, some, some, some would be. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think. Sunset Strip Bish is like, you know. Yeah. Probably the highlight of. Yeah. <laughs> of your definitely. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. Can you do it a cappella for us right now? Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, lyrics, I, I, most lyrics look pretty stupid on the page and like, um, but yeah, there are some things, you know, there are some things that I've written that I do think, um, kind of, kind of work that, that way, but not like, it wouldn't be like a complete song, but sort of certain, certain lines of songs or whatever I could say, okay, that, that could sort of be poetry, but, um, it's such a different, it's such a it's such a different thing, especially with the way with the way my process is, where I don't care that much about about the actual content. I do in that, like, if it doesn't, it can't just be random shit, or it won't feel good. There it has to, to resonate some, with you somehow. Yeah, <clears throat> um, but that's often through like abstraction, which like my favorite writers do that and I, I think you know I I don't need to know what a song is about I'd rather not know in fact because it's like that that's what gets you to that dreaming that waking dream thing same way gr- great movies do it too they're not serving you anything it's like uh you're you know yeah it just taps into this dream thing it makes yeah. you do a little work yeah yeah uh you also uh being a bass player myself, I always appreciate people that play bass and sing at the same time. Um, do you have favorites of yours of bass player singer combinations? Yeah. Um, let me think. I mean, there's. I mean, Sting. There's. Uh, there's Les Claypool. There's a uh, Fat Mike. Oh, there you go. Fat Mike. He just just bangs on that thing, kind of plays it like a guitar. He plays hard too, or fat, really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not. I, I mean, the, the bass. I started playing 
the bass because it seemed like I loved the idea of like being in a rock and roll band, but was mortified at the thought of being like, you know, the focal point or whatever. And I always thought the bass was just cool. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, and then through being in little fake bands in high school and stuff and having a guy who was like supposed to be the singer, but didn't really have ideas or couldn't really sing. And I would hear melodies in my head and I'd say, Oh, why don't you try this? And I'd hear my voice do it. And I'd think, Oh, that doesn't sound terrible. So then that's how I discovered songwriting. And then that became the primary thing. I, 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 you know, I didn't care about like getting better as a bass player. Um, even though, I did through making the records because like, you know, working with producers and stuff like that, definitely like I had to sort of up my game, but it wasn't through like woodshedding. I want to ask a geeky bass question. Um, Cause you have to sing. I feel like you would, you have to kind of sort of dumb down what you're playing to sing properly. Some guys don't like sting. I don't know how sting or McCartney yeah. can do what they do or less Claypool. Yeah, can like do what they do and maintain a separate. I don't either. It's like That's your brain insane. goes to different places. There's a couple songs I know you can't play, and sing at the same time. Yeah. Um, there's one Eve Six song that, um, I straight up can't do, and it's called Curtain, and off the fourth Eve Six record, and it's just a crazy bass line. There are others that are more, um, rhythmic and have more notes in them than the, than our normal kind of more more pop punk ish stuff mm-hmm. and I, I i just have to do like practice it super slow and rem- and realize exactly where like it's pathetic the way i need to learn how to do it but like um but once I do, it's it's ingrained. Make it its own rhythm between notes and yeah, kinda. exactly, exactly. This is you know what what uh, you know what beat is the vocal happening on? What what beat is the is the bass note happening on? And some of them are just so counterintuitive that you feel like curtain is weird. Is it's such a weird <laughs> bass line as is? Oh yeah, you've played it with us. I don't think I I think oh. I played it. I think I came to rehearsal or came to soundtrack to play it, and I couldn't play it right. Oh. I thought I had it figured out. And then, like, I got there, and you or Tony was like, those are not the right notes. Probably Tony. <laughs> Maybe. And I was like, oh, I could have sworn they were. He goes, and, like, no, no. And we tried to, tried to change it. But, like, once I... Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Once I practice or, like, learn a song, if yeah. I get to the place and I have to change it there, yeah. I can't. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I've studied it. Yeah. I've learned it. If I learned it wrong, I'm just going to either play it wrong or not play it. Yeah. So I'm I tried to play with you guys, but it's such a weird bouncy thing that goes completely against completely the vocal. Against, yeah. It's very weird. Um, yeah, there's on the roof again off the second record mm-hmm. has kind of like a weird baseline in that the bridge. The bridge is get. a weird, right? <clears throat> the bridge, but even more so than the bridge is the verse. Cause there's all that space. Mm-hmm. If there's constant playing, even if the movement is sort of counterintuitive with the vocal, it's a little easier for me than if there's space. Sure. Um, I played that with you guys, and that's one of my favorites. We did that at the Troubadour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. That's one of my favorite songs that you guys have ever done. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Do you have a record that you, um, an Eve 6 record that you're either most proud of or least bothered by? Yeah, I mean, 
it's my my answer to that is always so predictable <laughs> when there's stuff that I've done recently because you know I I it's the new I, mindset the new yeah 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 I would I would pick the full length record that we just finished that no one is is heard yet what's it called uh I don't know what that one's going to be called yet okay the EP is going to be called Grim Value um but yeah so I I just identify with that stuff more it feels more real and urgent it feels like i'm in it whereas the other stuff i look at it in this compartmentalized way but what i think about it ultimately doesn't matter you know (laughs) but uh my opinion doesn't matter either but i'm gonna tell you anyway yeah uh it's all in your head is my favorite one and i that's when i was spending the most time with you guys and i sort of i was living with you and tony kind of during that time back and forth and that was when I was like most excited about the prospect of my band, the Bad Apples, becoming huge. Do which of course list- it didn't. Do your listeners know about the Bad Apples? I've I've touched on it a couple times, but we've never like I've never played anything. I've never The Bad Apples were a legit rock and roll band. Fantastic. Fantastic fucking band. It's so weird to hear that because like we were not good musicians, but I guess that's also not what really matters. No, that's literally why you were good. Right. I guess I get, I get it. It's rock and roll. It's I get it. Supposed to be, it's a transcendent thing. It's like, it's freedom. Like that's, it was interesting in part because of the lack of, you know, prowess. It was just primal. You didn't know. Like, explain what it was like for you to go see the Bed Apples and what you were expecting uh, what you saw and what I'm just for myself, for my own self-esteem, what did you like about it? It, it? it felt like the closest thing I would experience or um, to like seeing the germs or something like that. Like <laughs> not that it was, it, it wasn't this, it wasn't even that similar musically. I'm just saying the feeling of like just abandon and uh, just, belligerence like (laughs) just enough control just enough control not always but yes i mean musically like things were always really threatening to go off the rails and maybe sometimes they would but you know there was you can't have it just completely off the rails or it's not it's also boring right Mm -hmm. you have both and uh yeah and um Obviously, Monty, the the singer, um, who couldn't sing, but you know, all heart. Uh, but he was mesmerizing. He was mesmerizing. He's he was he was he's a star. Yeah, you know, it's like like whatever that thing is, he had it. I've like, spoken loosely about him on the show before, but there is literally nobody else like him on the planet, mm-hmm. and he's lived this Forrest Gumpian type. Music yeah. life, where yeah. I don't think he's ever had a job besides being a messenger. Him and I were messengers for the same company at the same time. Mm-hmm. But he, like, has been in bands, and he started a band in Sweden, even though he lived in L.A., and then he went to truck driving school, and he yeah. never drove a truck in his life. And yeah. then he went to, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, computer programming school. Yeah, But um, I, I got so much feedback from people like you guys who loved the band, and um, it was the support was awesome. But... 
being in a band with with him and a couple other guys, it was just so hard. I was the only like completely sober guy. Oh, that's a nightmare in the band. Well, you're you're sober now, too, right? I, I'm sober, yeah. Right. But I've been on tours where I'm the only sober person, and it's a fucking nightmare. I can't imagine on tour because on tour there's so much more at stake. We would just play, you know, Spaceland or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you did that. It was fun because I still mm. had fun, but I'm someone. Um, like I like to play the songs the same way every time. I mm. like I like structure. I like like if it's not the right speed, it bothers me. Uh-huh. Like I like to kind of it's got to be close to how we're supposed to be. Yeah. And I never got that with the Bad Apples. Like there yeah. were some shows where like we played, <laughs> we played sixty one shows in uh-huh. two years in one week. That was entire lifespan was two years in one week, and the uh, we probably had in my opinion five good shows, maybe five. There were or I was like, dude, we fucking killed that one. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine it'd be frustrating because, well, yeah, you're sober. You're also like an actual, you know, musician. And like, you could probably say that for Nate too. But like, so that's half the band. But then drummer didn't really give a fuck. And that was great. And always coked out of his mind. Yeah. So, um, but like all fraught band relationships, that's what made it good is True. because you, yeah, it was dangerous. There was something like you really never knew what it was going to be. Yeah. Like imagine if every other guy in the bad apples was like, no, we need to make sure we're playing this at the right tempo. And, you know, it's true. Monty was doing vocal warm ups and shit and actually could sing. Total garbage. That's so true. Yeah. Um, though, did I, do you ever know the story? Of when we tr- we tried out for Capital, we had our showcase for Capital Records. I, I, I remember when this happened. I remember being so excited for you guys, and I remember that uh, like Monty was really bad. Or so something. Um, we went on we went on stage at this place called um, Club Sixty Six or something. It used to be on Sunset Boulevard. It probably sat fifteen people, twenty people. It was like a tiny little bar. Mm. I don't know if you were there for that one or not. But we were supposed to go on at like 9 or 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. We went on at 1.30 in the morning. Jesus. And just because like, you know, when you're, when you're not on tour, when you're playing like Hollywood shows, there's yeah. a thing called Hollywood time. Yeah. Where like your friends wasn't say. This, was this a show? Or this is a show. This is oh, a show. Oh, it was a show. Okay, so I thought this was a showcase for one This guy. is where the showcase came from. I see. So we, we <laughs> went on like three or four hours late because other bands were taking too long and there was no structure. And we almost like decided we, we just get out of here. We're not going to end up playing tonight. And then, you know, one thirty, like you guys go up and play five songs. And two of the people who were in the crowd were two women who did A&R for Capital. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why they were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, they loved it. <clears throat> Got a hold of us after the show and said, like, would you guys want to maybe do a showcase for Capital Records? And at that point, we, we'd put in a year and a half, which obviously is no, no time, but we thought we deserved. This is our break. It's so hard to hear this story because I know it's going to break my heart all <sighs> over again. So, but, yeah. like, uh, I moved here from Massachusetts to do this, to play music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all my peers around me are, are doing great. And I'm not one of those guys. I don't, I don't, um, I don't get jealous about my friend's success. I love it. I revel mm-hmm. in my friends doing well, mm-hmm. but I also wanted it. For, for myself, of course. Just, just to tell my family, like, hey, I got a record deal. I'm going to be on Leno or whatever the fuck. All the fun stuff yeah, that you're comes a human with. Being right. and you're a rocker. Right. And, you and to I want to feel good. good. I want to be proud. Yeah. And I was proud of what we did, even though it was crazy. And uh, so we organized this showcase for Capitol Records. And the president 
Andy Slater, who is a, was a huge deal. I mean, he, he, he ran mm-hmm. Capitol Records. Yeah. And it was the showcase for him, a special showcase just for him to watch. So they paid for it. We went to this place, SIR in Hollywood, which is like where all the huge bands rehearse. And we yeah. show up and there's a full like catering spread and drinks. And we're like, dudes, this is it. Like we're Beatles move over. Here we come. Yeah. It's Bad Apples time. And uh, they had all the booze there. It was like 11 a.m., maybe 1 p.m. or something. And Monty, our singer, Nate, our guitar player, Fainer, our drummer, all had a couple drinks to begin with. And then, long story short, Andy Slater was about two, two and a half hours late. Uh-huh. And that whole time, everyone kept kept drinking and kept mm-hmm. getting more and more fucked up. Mm-hmm. Past the point of like just being in the comfort zone of drunk. Yeah. And Andy got there. He goes, "All right, guys, let's 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 hear a few songs." We started playing, and Monty, our singer, fell over <laughs> drunk in the first song, and. He got up, he lost his place, he came in at the wrong time, and then like, I'm just... Fell over performatively, or fell over like tripped and fell? Tripped, uh, got, like, spun his head drunk, and fell over because he was drunk. Yeah. And had that, like, uncomfortable struggle to sit up drunk, mm-hmm. like, get me back to my feet oh, thing. My like, a, like a homeless guy, yeah, you know, yeah. which he probably <laughs> was yeah, at that time. Yeah. And... I broke into a full like flop sweat of yeah. like misery yeah, and I could feel it slipping away. Yeah. And we still did two more songs. Yeah. And when we were done, like we had our friends come to sit at that thing with us to be, be supportive. And like, I don't know if they even clapped when we were done. Wow. I think everyone in the room knew that it went, not good. Went bad. Yeah. And, uh, Andy Slater kind of like just nodded and walked out of the room and we went out in the hall or Monty, like, like chased him out into the hallway mm-hmm. and basically was like, I don't think Monty understood how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And he asked Andy, like, you know, how do we do? Like, when are we, when are we going to sign paperwork basically? <laughs> and Andy said, you guys will probably get a deal someday, but not with me and not today and yeah. walked away. Yeah. Yeah. And I went out in the hallway and Monty was in tears. And at that, literally at that moment, I realized that we, we blew our shot. Yeah. Because we were told that it was going to be between us and this band called The Vines. It was uh-huh. like one or the other was going to get the record deal. Yeah. And of course The Vines did and had a couple Yeah. couple hits, but uh it was it was crushing. Oh, that's so hard. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. I don't think any of us ever bounced back from it because we weren't the kind of band that was going to get a bunch of opportunities. We had to be ready for the shot when we got it and we 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 fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's hard. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you got yeah. glad you got that ready, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, congrats on your success. <laughs> well, I mean, I I still had plenty of of times where I fucked up opportunities along the way and and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I you know I I had my own alcoholism for a good deal of the of the first run of the band and was just also allergic to like the kind of schmoozing careerist stuff that I think bands that end up uh, having careers, this could be cope. I'm sure it's not true for, for all, but I think 
you know, often that helps people who actually like enjoy hanging out with industry people and stuff like that. That's not your, that's not you. Yeah. I, I don't, it's yeah. uncomfortable. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and like, not that there's anything wrong with being an industry person or something. I just, I, I don't it's like just, playing, that, playing that game and this comes off like, Oh, I'm just too real. I'm, I'm just too anxious or something. Like I don't, it's not, you know, I, I prefer to be comfortable, mm -hmm. you know? And you are someone, you have anxiety, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Are you nervous right now? Fucking, there's literally a fucking turd in my sweats right now. Man. Save it for me. Will you sign it for me before you leave? Uh, absolutely. Cool. Do you have a white Sharpie? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Cool. Um, well, what were you just, you were just saying something I want to ask you about. Um, um, oh, sobriety. Yeah. So when I, when we were all hanging out together back in like the 2002, 2003, it was some of my favorite times in LA because no one had anything to do. Yeah. So we would like go to someone's house, go to your house and we'd be up till four or five in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then it like, cause I was the guy that didn't drink at four yeah. in the morning. There'd be an idea of like, we need to go to Del Taco. Yeah. Dan pull the car around Yeah. and we'd go and we'd be up till the sun came up and yeah. it was, uh, there was wrestling matches in your in your living room, and which I which I lost miserably. Yeah, you're a big guy, but you're yeah. you're very very weak. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were also. <laughs> oh good, it's. Oh good, it's you long. Talk, yeah, it's a long one. I want you to sit in it for a minute. Okay, sick. <clears throat> um, you had your wits about you, man. Okay. Is that all it was? I, I, that's look that at least played into it. We can go right now if you want. I'd rather not. Okay, cool. If that's cool with you. All right, it's cool with me. It's my show. So I like, I like yeah. to, I like to kind of wrap up the interview with a fight with a fist fight every show. Right. So maybe towards the end, we'll, I'll circle back and see how you feel about it. But that sounds good to me. One of my favorite images of you, uh, I'll edit this out if you don't want me to, but you, uh, you went upstairs and you weren't married yet, but you were with who would end up being your wife, uh, Victoria. And it was probably three or four in the morning and uh, we're all still hanging out in your living room, mm -hmm. watching TV, hanging out, people playing music. Mm -hmm. And then maybe 20 minutes later, <laughs> you start, we see your, your bare feet coming down the stairs. Yeah. And then we see your bare legs mm -hmm. and then we see your raging boner. Yeah. And then we see no shirt. Right. And then we see your head and we see a sombrero on the top <laughs> of it. And it is still to this day my my favorite like image of you. Three cancelable offenses in, built into this. No, uh, you can't be canceled. I mean, you were you were love making your. Uh, I was your, culturally your appropriating the fucking hat while walking downstairs with a boner in front of a room full of. It, guests. it was it was all men, I think. Okay, so that's good. But you also grew up in L.A., so the Mexican thing kind of. You can get away with it more than I could being from Massachusetts. I don't know if it totally works that way, but I appreciate you having this charitable view of it. Enjoying the podcast? If you'd like to show support for Rareform, there are a couple of ways. Become a patron at patreon.com slash rareformradio. Make a one-time donation or choose from a few subscription levels paid monthly for extra benefits. Those extra benefits include bonus episodes not available to the public, exclusive live streams, more interactions with the gang, along with other special perks that will change over time. Choose your level of donation and know that your contributions go to keeping the show running and growing, paying crews behind the scenes, and just supporting independent artists. That's patreon.com slash rareformradio. 
You can also get Rare Form merch by going to rareformradio.threadless.com. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all kinds of silly shit. We're constantly adding new things and limited time only goodies. That's rareformradio.threadless.com. You can also help build the show by subscribing, leaving a review, and most importantly, leaving us a rating on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Rareform Radio. Thanks for supporting independent entertainment. What about the time that um, the cops came oh. to Tony's house and we, and we had lemons in our butts? Darren, have you ever put a lemon inside of your asshole? I don't see why I would do that. So that's a yes. You probably have. So we used to hang out Definitely all the not. time. And <laughs> you, your friend Justin, uh-huh. and Monty, I believe. Mm-hmm. J- Tony had this lemon tree in his house. And you guys thought it would be funny to put lemons in your butts, like in your butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. And the doorbell rang. Mm-hmm. And you guys were completely naked. Mm-hmm. With and lemons in our butts. With lemons yeah. in your butts. And I was sitting on the couch behind you guys. Yeah. And dude... The comic timing of what uh-huh. happened next yeah. cannot be matched. Yeah. The door opens, and it's the police, which we did not expect. Mm-hmm. And a lemon fell out of someone's ass. Who was it? It fell on the ground. I think it was Monty. It so was like- <laughs> we open the door, and the cops are there. <laughs> they see three naked men standing in the door. And then all of a sudden, there's like a... And there's a lemon on the ground, which means it fell out of one of the dude's asses. It was one of the funniest things ever. And I don't know if the cop even knew what to say. I think he was like, you guys got to keep the noise down. And yeah. he wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. That's all he said? I think so. He, 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 think he was so. not there long. No, he bailed. He right definitely away. didn't come in and fuck everybody. Yeah. Which is what I think everyone hoped was going to happen. <laughs> but man, we had some good times. You but know what this story sounds like to a black person? <laughs> yeah. You'd have been killed probably. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I didn't know yeah. you were black until just now because I don't see color. But it, it probably would have been worse for you. Yeah, just do a God bless being white. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful every day. You know, it's easier for me. I get that. Um, but since then, you have found sobriety, and it seems like it definitely was one of the best things for you to do. Because you ended up having a family, and it's got to be a lot harder if you're a mess while you're... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, for whatever reason, some people do, some people don't, got just sufficiently miserable uh like living that way enough so that i was like okay maybe there's another way maybe i'll i'll try it and give it a modicum of of effort and uh and i don't know why that happens with i mean there are plenty of people who were a lot worse off than me you know who don't get get to that sort of critical place um um and then there there are people who continue i feel who continue to enjoy it and be able to live productive lives um it's one of those things where everyone's different yeah we're all made up differently and some of us can handle more or like or mask things better or something yeah or just have constant a constitution where we're literally not fucking you know made miserable by it I, I don't know. Or or maybe you're right. Maybe it's masking things. But um Jesus. This is Max's first interview, by the way. Doesn't <laughs> know how to turn his fucking phone off. Unbelievable. It's, like it's literally on silent. <sighs> Unbelievable, dude. Um <laughs> I'm I'm gonna make her feel guilty right now. Do it. 
That's a power move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you better be gone when I get home. <laughs> yeah. When you got sober, was it was it your choice, or did someone uh, um, have a talk with you? How did it come about, or were you just like, I got to make a change here? Um, it's such a corny story, but it's it's uh, the truth. It I, may help somebody, so let's yeah. tell it. Um, you know, there were plenty of instances that could have and should have been it, like the that kind of catalyst moment for for changing shit but um but they weren't and the one that was was it was mother's day 06 um and i was visiting my parents and i just had that feeling of uh you know there's language in the book that i always want to just parrot because it's it it's so accurate uh pitiful incomprehensible demoralization i was like not able to make eye contact i just felt like a shell drawn and hollow miserable and like were you fucked up then like i I was probably just badly hung over okay and uh and yeah it was you know nothing more you know special than than that i uh it was on the drive home where I thought, I thought it was like it just came on like a moment of clarity. Something needs to change, or else um, this this trajectory isn't good, not sustainable. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, and then I called <clears throat> my brother, who you also know, who at the time had like six months or something, <clears throat> and said, um, "I want to go to a meeting with you." And then I just never, I never looked back. I went all fucking in uh and that's where i remained for like five or seven years or something like that meetings all the time doing the thing full on full on um it's also part of your addictive personality yeah where when you say, get into something yeah. whether it's uh, swimming or yeah. whatever the new project is yeah it's like that is that's your tunnel vision and to sobriety. the detriment of other things sometimes like definitely to to the detriment of my uh you know songwriting probably some of my relationships i definitely had to like kind of like you know callously cut off certain friendships um but it was just like the okay this is the life preserver right now this is literally the most productive thing that i can be doing with my time that's what i was told that's what i internalized self-preservation and just yeah yeah. and you you did not have kids at that point right that was before you had your girls yeah Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was in 06. And then I had, um, we had Isla in 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how has being a father uh, changed, changed your life besides in every way possible? Yeah. Because um, for so many years, y- you've been successful. Um, did you ever have a job before you six? Because you were just in high school, right? I never did. You've never had a job. I've never had like a job. Like a job job. I mean, people, you need to understand that touring and, and being in a band it is a job. There's a lot of work involved, but it's not like you're not pumping gas or it washing does, dishes. Yeah, exactly. It's, so you've yeah. pretty much lived before the, the girls, like responsibility free uh-huh. for the most part. Yeah. Was that a, was it a hard transition to become a dad? You seem to kind of revel in it in a way, but I'm curious what it did. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, it's, you know, everything changes, but... I do think 
sobriety prepared me for that too, because you're, um, you know, <laughs> if I was still like waking up at one in the afternoon and just all that shit like that, you know, Doesn't it wasn't as radical a lifestyle shift as maybe it is for, for some people, but, uh, it's definitely just totally, uh, uh, re realigns you and what you see as important. And I think, um, yeah, there's just, you, you end up through no virtue. Um, really it just happens having this like, uh, expanse of, of, of love. Like you're just cracked open and you, and you love these, you know, little beings more than you ever thought, uh, possible with with that comes this sort of kind of strange like liberation too it's weird it's it's uh um it's not about you but you also kind of discover aspects of yourself um through it and i think i think it's it made me more i don't know kind of different i don't know man i don't know how to say it yeah. yeah, I can't imagine it wouldn't change you somehow. Yeah. How how did they do over the past year? And how have you how have you done as a family? Obviously, you're no longer with your yeah. the your the mom Victoria, uh your ex-wife. How did what was this last year like for you guys as a, as a family? Um it was yeah, I mean, these last couple years were fucking wild because you know, we separated about two years ago. <laughs> that was honestly, that was the only fair usage, in my opinion, of that fucking stupid pad since fair, fair, the, yeah, duration of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, that means don't use it again. Yeah, I, I got it. I picked up on it. <laughs> You'll do. I will not do it again. I promise. Okay, so. Um, Sorry, get back on track. Talking yeah, about, talking like, about divorce. <laughs> yeah, that whole um, thing. Yeah, and so that was that was crazy, very very difficult time, and then, um, and then quarantine hit. It, yeah, it was a lot. Um, but I think the for for the girls, I don't think they've felt the anxieties of the world through this, like. You know they're they, they you know they're sure they've missed out on stuff, but then there's also stuff that we, uh, you know, like I th it was the first summer that I didn't tour, and I don't know how long, so I got to be with them a whole lot more. In over twenty years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, um. So yeah, all sorts of kind of silver linings like that. Uh. Yeah, mixed in with, you know the, you know yeah just for me, you know, for the parents, for adults, sure. Like a whole lot of, uh, anxiety and, and everything else. But I think they were pretty protected from that. Um, and, and they also be, you know, because of that probably, and because of the fact that their kids bring, they're like joy dispensers, you know what I mean? They, they, you know, it's all, they bring levity and perspective. So, um, I wish I knew them better, but they're very sweet kids. 
Yeah, we should we should like hang out with mm-hmm. them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very very sweet. They're very fun. They're very funny. At least you don't have shitty ones, you know. Yeah, we all know yeah. some shitty kids, and yeah. they're the worst. Yeah, I have a um, one of my friends. She had a, uh, a still has a daughter, but when the daughter was younger, it's the only person under the age of eighteen that I've ever considered a cunt. Mm. Okay. So um, I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Yeah, you know, I mean. Like a, a devil child. It was like yeah. Damien from The Omen, that kind of like. Right. I could see this little girl calculating and doing things to get other kids in trouble. Like, just right. be grateful you don't have one of those kids. I'm surprised it was a little girl because, uh, I mean, for the ones that tend to kind of drive me crazy are, are usually little boys who just have like no disciplinary you know rambunctious running and jumping and kicking and breaking things and just like punching you in the nuts like (laughs) it's a good move yeah but this 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 little girl seemed to have learned you know how like it's such a like a cliche generalization where women are good at like a psychological warfare Mm -hmm. you know they they won't say things with their mouths but the way they act can really crush you Mm -hmm. this little girl learned that from a very early age Mm -hmm. and how to like yeah do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I let you go, we talked a bit about touring a little bit. What is the future of live music right now? It's such a cliche question, but when are we going to be back to work comfortably? Do you guys have plans yet? You have six plans? We've gotten some offers. We have some one-offs. Uh, we have one in June. Um, so, yeah, it feels like it's kind of starting to... to happen again i don't know i don't really pretend to know i you know along the way here like our um booking agent was was way too optimistic and dude there were people talking about like march of this year having shows again like they were saying this like months ago i'm like are you guys out of your fucking minds yeah yeah yeah. totally like right now i have shows on the book for september but i wouldn't put money on it yeah yeah. i hope so yeah but who would have thought this would have ever happened yeah how weird yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I sort of think that there can't help but be like people, you know, like uh, who sang it last. Uh, and talking about how it's the end of live music. I, I, I feel like people have been starved of that uh, <clears throat> communal kind of like spiritual experience. They want it more than ever. I feel like there can't help but be a kind of a boom, you know. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. It's going to be like the rebirth of music. Yeah. And I know there was uh, friends of mine are in a kind of a bigger band and they're trying to put together a tour and they're talking about all this production they want to bring. And like, should we spend the money? And in my mind, I'm like, you don't need it right now. Totally. People just want to see people on stage playing music and sing along and enjoy themselves. Like this is not the time where you need all the bells and whistles and, um, just want people just want to feel yeah it could be more effective not to just to way. have it be like human old school yeah. shit yeah cool well max thank you buddy thanks i had a, i had a blast doing this yeah same uh, dude. hopefully we can do it again we've totally. been trying to do this for a few weeks and the first time i fucked it up by bad information second time you fucked it up by not planning your covid shot your second shot right. <laughs> at the right time yeah. And that second one fucked you up, huh? Yeah, it really fucking knocked me out, that second one. Man. Which one did you take? Um, uh, Moderna. That one kicked my ass. Yeah. I was down for like two and a half straight days, 
Then I had two more days of just fog. Fog and like the craziest fatigue hits out yeah, of nowhere. Where totally. at three in the afternoon, I'm like, oh my, I gotta take a nap. Yeah, yeah. And then like a few more days of just kind of confusion, but yeah. now I'm top of the world. Quarantine did that fatigue thing to me, man. I would just like, it's so weird, like not, not, uh, not really like using any energy in any real way. But <laughs> like, I mean, I've been talking about this for a few weeks now, Darren and I. It's so weird. It's just it got us in this routine. Like you're a routine guy and the routine became nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I know for us, for Darren and I, we we're talking about like a year of doing nothing to the point where when you finally had a day to do something, it felt overwhelming. Completely. Like, like doing the most mundane shit felt felt like kind of, yeah. Like what, what would usually be considered a day off became like, I can't possibly go to Vons today. Yeah, that's Are you just, kidding well, me? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, let's, Wait, let's can we talk slow, about this? Slow it down here. Like, yeah. But it does feel like we're coming out of it. And yeah. uh, it's really nice to be able to do this in person totally. uh, with you again. Yeah. And uh, it's always nice to see you. And you and I have been saying this for 20 years. We should do this more often. I know. Well, and then every time we say it, we're like, this time we mean it. And I know we don't this time either, but I do want to do it more often. <laughs> well, let's do it more often. And, and like now, uh, like I feel... Yeah, I mean, we live right next to each other and there's not, uh, you know, the pandemic has, has you know, lessened a little bit. So, fuck yeah, it. yeah, let's absolutely. Do it. Uh, you can follow at uh, Eve six everywhere. And really, it's, it's worth it for the uh, for the comedy and the truth. Uh, you can follow at Max Collins music everywhere. Um, look out for the new Eve six EP coming out whenever. June. June. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. Called Grim Value. Yep. It'll be everywhere. Uh, what else? We uh, grimvalue.com. You can order like vinyl and stuff like that. Excellent. So desire. Excellent. Max, thank you. Uh, everyone else, thank you very much for listening. Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, give a follow, give a like. We need it. Go to iTunes, rate everything. Love it. Darren, thank you, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Max, thank you, buddy. And Thanks, we Dan. will talk to everybody else later. This is Lola, and I'm here to tell the world to stop being such pussies and listen to Rare Form Radio.